Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The Christian life is a long-distance run. It's not a sprint. It's a long-distance run with plenty of obstacles. How do we navigate that? Well, we've got to have endurance. We've got to know right up front that this is a long-distance race, and we've got to be really, you know, just committed to the fact that that's what it is. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 23 through 40, in a message titled, Faith in the Midst of Affliction. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Now, for all of us, probably, that's what we always hope for in regard to the outcome of our faith. We're, we're always hoping and believing and trusting and, and thinking that, you know, well, if our faith is strong and if we're really believing God, then the end result is going to be the, the, the result that we desire. We're going to have a victory. We're going to have a visible victory. We're going to, people are going to see that, you know, look, they trusted God and, and this, is, this is what happened. And, and, you know, it's, it's a positive outcome. But listen to what he goes on to say. He says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. So here's the other side of it. You see, the victory of faith doesn't always show itself in this present life in some visible way some tangible way where we can see, look, you know, look at this person trusted God, this person had faith, and, and look how God delivered them from that. It doesn't always work that way. And it's important for us to realize that. Uh, we had somebody call in this week to the radio broadcast, and they, this was the question. And the woman was very honest. She said, you know, my faith is being rocked. My faith is being shaken because of what I see happening to Christians all around the world. How can it be that God is allowing for his people to suffer the way some of these people are suffering? And I took her right to this passage, and I read this passage to her over the air. I said, look, we've got to realize, we've got to remember that Faith always brings a victory, but the victory doesn't always look the same. And sometimes the victory is not seen in the present. It will be seen in the future. And so faith is not only to result in visible progress or prosperity, but sometimes faith just enables us to endure affliction and even succumb to some extent, at least visibly, to that affliction. But, but nevertheless, that's not the end of it. There's a bigger picture. There's an eternal picture. 
And this is what we have to get in our minds because we're, we're always thinking in the here and now. We're thinking in the present. We're thinking about what is uh, right in front of us. And, and quite often, we're not thinking about the bigger picture of eternity. But he puts these, these others right alongside of those who did these tremendous things by faith and saw the positive results. He puts those who were tortured. They didn't accept deliverance, meaning that they were executed. And others had uh, trials of mocking, scourging, and so forth. And, you know, as we read through the scriptures, we see that this is indeed what has happened many times over. You can't read the New Testament without seeing the context is so often a context of tribulation and suffering and affliction. You know, somebody said this years ago, and I think it's true. They said the promise of the Old Testament is prosperity. The promise of the New Testament is adversity. Now, there is out there, there are those voices that would say to us, you know, if you're a a real man or woman of faith, that's going to be evidenced by material prosperity. It's going to be evidenced by success in life. It's going to be evidenced by health. And, you know, that, that's the indicators that you're, a, 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 you know, really a person of faith. We, we can see that you're a man or a woman of faith because, because we see a, a blessing and it's material is the way people are referring to that. But that's not a New Testament idea. The New Testament is full of examples of people who are materially suffering and physically suffering with sometimes health issues, sickness, but sometimes with sufferings like we're reading about here, mockings and scourgings and imprisonments and things like that. Because you see, the message of the New Testament is that we are pilgrims and sojourners here in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And if anybody should have an eternal perspective, it should be us because that's the perspective that the New Testament is always pushing us toward. And so, like I said, with the woman that called, I just pointed her to, the, to these verses here and reminded her that you can very much be living by faith and your faith can be absolutely genuine and, and, and a powerful faith, but it doesn't translate necessarily into what we would look at and say, well, that was a great victory. But it is a great victory because it's a victory on the larger level of eternity rather than the, the smaller level of the present situation. And so he says concerning them, that these all, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, 
the writer, he's done this two or three times now, but he keeps going back to this. He's constantly pointing back to the men and women of faith from the Old Testament period. He's reminding them over and over again that their understanding of God, the revelation that they had of God, even the experience that they had with the Lord was inferior to what the new covenant has brought us. And so he's arguing this way. He's saying, look, if these people whose understanding of God was, was limited in comparison to yours, if these people whose, in many ways, their experience with God was limited compared to ours, because we have the indwelling of the Spirit. They did not have the indwelling of the Spirit. We know the full story. They only knew part of the story. If they had such faith, how is it that your faith is wavering? We need to to learn an example from them. We need to take from them a lesson about trusting God. These, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, but we have. And so, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... The great, the great cloud of witnesses are all the people that he's referring to, that he's, that he's been looking back on. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And since that is the case, we are to lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily snares us. And here's the key word. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Endurance. That's been a major theme all the way through the epistle perseverance, endurance, patience. The Christian life is a long distance run. It's not a sprint. And we, the sooner we learn that, the better off we will be. It's a long distance run. It's a long distance run with plenty of obstacles. Paul referred to uh, having fought the good fight, finished, the, finished his race or finished his course is another translation. And the word there refers to an obstacle course. And you know, that's what the Christian life is like. It is like a long distance race with all kinds of obstacles. How do we navigate that? Well, we've got to have endurance. We've got to know right up front that, you know, this is a, this is a long distance race. And we've got to be really, you know, just committed to the fact that that's what it is. You know, for anyone who does anything, you know, athletically stretching or, you know, something where you, you know, you're, you're really having to exert effort, you know that so much of your ability to persevere through whatever it is that you're doing, you know, so much of it is in, it starts in the mind. You know, if you, if you, step into something with the mentality like, oh, I, I'm never going to do this. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to finish this course. I'm never going to succeed at this. You know, you probably won't. That's kind of the way it works. But if you come at it, and even before you get to the physical part of it, you just come out and you say, you know, I, I, I'm going to do this. It's a, the, the endurance element, so much of it is, I mean, part of it is physical, but there's another part of it that is very much a mental thing. And spiritually, there's a, there's a parallel there. If we 
are in this race, this race of faith, so to speak, and we're not even considering the fact that it's a long distance race. It's a race that needs endurance. And we are thinking in terms of, you know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this race and finish it. Then and when it starts to get challenging, when it becomes more difficult, that will be the time when the temptation will become great to just back off, to pull out to give up. But he says, look at this great cloud of witnesses. Look at these people. And, and you know, he's going to go on as we go further in the text, and we're, we'll pick up next week in verse 2, but he's going to go on to kind of rebuke them a little bit. Because what he's really going to say to them is, look, you know, I mean, to put it in the modern vernacular, he's going to kind of say, you know, you guys are a little bit wimpy <laughs> compared to the people that I've been talking to you about. I mean, look, look at what they went through. And you're getting a little bit of pushback from the, the unbelievers, and, and you're kind of ready to throw in the towel. Uh, look, at, look at what these others went through. But the, the primary example he gives is Jesus. And we'll, we'll look at that as well as we come to the next one. But, you know, this is just a fact that we have to understand that... Part of the Christian life, as we mentioned previously, part of it is persevering through affliction. Part of it is that we are going to face obstacles and difficulties. And the important thing is that we keep going. How do we keep going? Well, he says, look at, look at the witnesses. Let them be an inspiration to you. In Romans 15.4, Paul says, Concerning the Old Testament, he says, the things that are written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. All of these people that we just read about, they were real people just like us. They had real lives just like we have. They experienced real anguish just like we do. Soul anguish, heart anguish, physical pain. They, they, they knew it all just like we did. But he says, be encouraged by them. Look to them. And, and that's one of the reasons why God gave us the written record is so we would know what God's people have experienced in the past and we could see how God intervened and worked in their lives and we could take heart and we could be encouraged and we could say, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna believe God like they did. I'm gonna trust God like they did. You know, as I've said before, let me remind you again, we are the people today in this generation, just like they were in their generation. Hebrews 11, as I pointed out, is not finished being written. It's, it's an open-ended chapter that is still going on. As long as the church is on earth, Hebrews 11 will continue to be written. And so we can go all the way back like he does at this point. We can go all the way back to the biblical record and we can look at these, these individuals, the men and the women that are mentioned here, that are alluded to here. We can read their stories. We can see how God worked in their lives and we need to take heart and believe and say, you know, this, I'm trusting God for this. 
And in some cases, the expectation is going to be a full deliverance that's going to manifest itself and God's going to get the glory. In some other cases, it's going to be, you know what, even if I suffer all the way through and I never see the victory this side of heaven, I know there's going to be a victory that's going to manifest itself uh, in the bigger picture of eternity. And we trust God for that. But let me just add this, that where they had this group of people that they could look back on. We have another 2,000 years of church history where we have numerous faith stories that we can also be encouraged from today. I've said this before. I I personally love and spend a, a fair amount of time reading Christian biographies, biographies of men and women of faith and, you know, who pioneered mission works and things like that. And I have benefited so much from the stories of how God has worked in the lives of other people. And that's, that's the purpose, really. You know, we're part of a body. We're part of a, a, a community. And the story of what God's doing in one person's life is, a, is an encouragement or a reminder of what he can possibly do in our lives as well. And so whether it's a biblical character like some of the ones that are mentioned here that we have all you know, taken great encouragement and taken heart from their story and, and the message in the biblical text or it's some other person that we've read about in church history who you know, experienced a certain thing, God uses those things as an encouragement to us, as a reminder to us. But again, let me just reiterate, we are the people today. There's a great cloud of witnesses. And guess what they're doing? They're kind of just looking down on us and like, well, how are they doing down there in the 21st century AD? (laughs) You know, we were, we, they were here a long time ago, maybe, but going through similar things. How, how are we doing today? Are we men and women of faith? Are we trusting God? Are we believing him? Like they did. That's what we need to do. Because like I said, the story's not over. There's still exploits to be done. There's still kingdoms to be subdued and promises to be obtained. And there's still fires to be quenched and lion's mouths to be shut and all of these kinds of things. They're they're still out there waiting to happen for the furtherance of the kingdom of God and for the uh, expanding of the testimony of his faithfulness. And we are a generation that gets to live it out. And let me just remind you as we close, I think it's so important today that we keep our eyes firmly fixed on what God is doing and not get distracted with what the devil is doing. I I think there are far too many Christians, especially in this country, who are way too preoccupied with what the devil is doing and not at all really considering what God is doing. And you know how I know that that's true? Because so often when I'm listening to people talk and I'm even hearing sermons preached, it's all about how bad everything is. It's all about how dark it's becoming and how horrible it is and all of that. Well, you know what that is? That's really just a broadcasting of of everything the devil's doing. I mean, you probably have noticed, I just, I'm not doing that. If you want to get depressed, 
you go home and watch the news. <laughs> you get on the internet. You can get depressed there. If you come here, I'm not going to give you the news report. I'm going to give you God's report. <laughs> this is what God's doing. I don't care what... You know, really, I, I, don't, I don't really care so much about what the devil's doing. Because despite all of that, God is working. And this is a critical, I think this is a critical time. I really do. And I'm, I'm not denying that the, the, the world is dark and it's, it's depressing. And, you know, that's all a reality. I know that. But at the same time, we have to recognize, you know, this is the way the world's always been. But God has always had his people right in the thread of the whole thing, shining forth his light. And they were all doing it the same way. And it's the way that we need to do it as well. They were doing it by faith. They were believing that whatever was happening around them, that wasn't their problem. They were believing, man, God is at work and I'm gonna connect with God and what he's doing. And I'm gonna trust him, I'm gonna believe him and, and I'm gonna see what, what the Lord will do. And you know, I, I mean, sometimes I think we, in our minds, you know, we get so carried away with like, you know, things that are just beyond us, things that are just bigger than us, you know, like we got to save the nation or something like that. You know, the, those, there are certain things that are just beyond us. Those are in God's hands. Those are his responsibility. But I think, you know what? You know what we can do? We, we might not be able to do that, but you know, we can, we can save a little kid. We could bring a little kid into our home and rescue them from the ravages of the world by adopting or, or, or something like that. You remember that story? I, I heard it recently. Somebody told it. I, you know, about the kid. There's a bunch of uh, starfish up on that were washed up onto the shore. Uh, thousands of them washed up on the shore and all lying there, just kind of, you know, dying. And there's a, there's a little kid that's going along. The story goes, and he's he's just picking one up, you know, and he's throwing them out one at a time. And somebody says to him, "Oh, you're never gonna make any difference here. You know, you you know, there's so many. You're you're never gonna." Uh, save all these, and the kid just says, well, yeah, that's true, but I'm saving this one, you know, and he throws it out there. And, you know, that's it as well. We can't save a nation. We can't save the world. But we can save a person. We can save one person at a time. And God, of course, can use us to save more, more than one. And God could take that one person that he used you to bring to him and he could raise that person up. But you see, it's faith that believes that. It's faith that is committed to that. It's faith that says, you know, I'm not really concerned about what, what the enemy's doing. I, I wanna look at what God's doing and I wanna be engaged in what God's doing. And even if it leads to outcomes that are less than uh, ideal as far as we're concerned, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about persecution coming. Uh, it's on its way, and maybe it is. I mean, it is already, but, you know, maybe it's, it's on its way in a greater way. But it didn't stop this great cloud of witnesses that lived before us, and may God help us that it doesn't stop us either, that we become for this generation those that by faith 
whether it's subduing kingdoms or working righteousness or obtaining promises or it's trials of mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment, whatever the case, that in the end we persevere, we endure, and that God is glorified. For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly at war against us Christians, and sometimes we feel defeated, and at others we give in to the pressures of sin and compromise. But in those times, we should not expect harshness from heaven. We can expect the gentleness of Christ to draw us in all the more, because it is God who sets the terms by which He loves us, no matter how unlovable we think we might be. So no matter what your sin or how long you've been sinning, Jesus will never cast you out. If you need to be encouraged about Jesus' unfailing love for you, or if you know someone that needs to know Jesus' love for them, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.